Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. I know what God did for me. I know what he saved me from. I know that whenever I ask him to forgive my sins, guess what? He was forgiven. Our relationship with God ought to be something that is paramount. We ought to show such value to that that we are talking about it often and unashamedly. That we are ready to share, hey, this is what God did for me. We hope you find this message encouraging. We're going to take several Sundays and just kind of touch base on what I think should be our, our kind of our focus for the new year and that is that we need to make the connection making the connection is going to be the the series title and as we are making the connection that goes that goes in a lot of different directions a lot of different avenues that we could pursue with this we're going to go down three main avenues really and that is that we need to connect with God we need his presence we need his power we need uh we need him in everything we do it's a it's not a question of whether we need God or not, so we need to make the connection with God. We need to make the connection with each other and in fellowship and and helping one another, praying for one another and lifting one another up. There is I, I, one time I undertook to take the New Testament and write down everything that it was said that we should do for one another. And it was two columns, almost one page full. We're supposed to exhort one another. We're supposed to encourage one another. We're supposed to lift one another up. We're supposed to pray for one another. We're supposed to encourage one another. All those things that we are supposed to do for and with one another. As, and then, finally, we need to make the connection between where we are and where people are out there. We're living in a day and a time. I've been in this thing for many years now. And it is probably the most unique time in talking with pastors that I've had in the past and as well as my own experience. We are in the midst of a transition in our society. And we are in the, some people call it postmodern, some people call it post-church. One of the things that has changed so much just in the last few years and I, t- I talked about this a little bit last week, and the three people that were here really thought I, I made a good point. But um, <laughs> uh, one of the things that has changed that in the past, 25, 30 years ago, people, by and large, especially in our area, as far as southeast, would say about 90% of them, when polled or surveyed or however you ask it, would say, yes, I have a church affiliation. In other words, they might, uh, I heard a guy call them this, the CEOs. It's Christmas and Easter only. (laughs) The CEOs of this world would go out there and if you polled them, do you have a church affiliation? Do you have a church that you go to that, you you know, that you would call that pastor if you were in dire need, all this kind of stuff? 90% of those people polled would say, yes, I have a church affiliation. Now... The latest figures from 2017, that number has dropped in the United States to about 25%. We are living in a day and a time when cultural Christianity, uh, which is probably a good word for that, it was 
People went to church to make business connections. People went to church to, to socialize. People went to church because it was the thing to do. And because of the pervasiveness of humanism in our society, that has changed. And there are a huge group of people that used to would have said, yes, I'm affiliated with a church body that now are considered to be what they call the nuns. Not the ones that wear a habit. They have habits, but they don't wear them. Uh, okay, uh, talking about nuns, N-O-N-E, the nuns, the people that say no affiliation whatsoever to a church body anywhere, and they're comfortable with that. So what does it mean? By and large, 65% of the people that no longer attend church say the reason that they no longer attend is that church is no longer relevant to them makes no difference. There is no connection. We've got to make that connection. We have got to be the relevance. Because you and I go out of here, even though they may not come in here and they may not hear a sermon or they may not worship with us, we go out there, each one of us, into our own areas, our own workplace, our own school, our own place that we go and drink coffee or whatever it is. We've got to take this to them. We've got to become the relevance about a relationship with Christ. Uh, Thank you, Doug. Here's the thing, we're living in, 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 in a strange day and a time that no longer can we expect that people are going to come here. That's, we, we can do special events, we can do special things, we can reach out to the kids, we can do things with the youth, we can do church-wide functions and feed people and get them here, but here's the thing, by and large, people are nuns, they're not going to come. They're not going to experience it. They're not going to hear the gospel presentation. They're not going to hear whatever we're doing. So we have got to make a difference. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of how this thing all started. Because there weren't any churches. We have come to synonymize the, the word church with a building. And the church is the people. We, you and I, all of us, are the church. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap. That's worthy of a hand clap. So we've got to take ourselves out there and be the church. We've got to make the connection. It would be equivalent to getting all the supplies, building a big, fine, fancy house, putting all the finest uh, uh, decoration in it, putting all the nicest uh, appliances and, and, and equipment in there and all that kind of stuff and never hooking it up to utilities. Oh, we've got a fantastic refrigerator, one of those that talks to you, one of those that scans the inside and makes your list for you. All that kind of stuff that they're doing these days. We could have the nicest, I'm talking about commercial cook stove. We could do all this stuff. We could have the fanciest toilet you have ever seen. And if we don't hook it up to water, and we don't hook it up to electricity, and we don't hook it up to a sewer or a septic, guess what? It's a shell, and it is useless. We've got to make the connection. We have got to move past everything. I know that this 2017 was a tough year for so many people, but what we've got to do 
is we've got we've to realize that we've got a higher calling in it, that we have to have a renewed vision for what God wants us to do, that we have to have revived hearts. God, heal my heart. Give me, give me a heart that's not all about me, but about others. God, would you just heal my heart, revive me. God, I need revival. Amen? We need revival. We need a resolute commitment that I am not going to give up. Hey, folks, we are in sight of the finish line. We don't need to stumble and fall and not get up now. Amen. We are so close to seeing the return of Christ. I believe if we're looking at what this word says, and we're not far off from it, and we don't need to get weary and well-doing now because we are there. Yes, the struggle is an uphill one. Yes, we've got things that we need to do. But the thing that we need to do is get in our hearts. I am going to be committed. I am going to cross that finish line. I am going to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servants. Somebody say amen. We need a resilient faith. One that it might get bent. And and two, it might look like a pretzel, but I'm not going to let my faith break. We need a restored hope that, God, there is something waiting on us that is so much better than anything that we have ever seen that I'm getting excited about it. I can see that finish line. I can begin to smell what heaven smells like. Amen. We've got to get it in our hearts. We've got to refresh our love. That's what it comes down to. The Bible tells us very, very plainly that as the end times come and because people do turn away and because things don't happen just exactly like we'd like it to and because persecution comes for his sake, that the love of many would grow cold. And you know what? We've we've got to stoke the fires of love in our hearts We cannot get jaded. We cannot get turned off to helping people. Again, Paul said, don't be weary in well-doing because if we stick it out, guess what? We've won it all. It just if, If we cross that finish line, we have won it all. So here's the thing. We've got to let all that that I just talked about, all those things that I mentioned, our vision, our hearts, our commitment, our faith, our hope, our love, we've got to express that. In, number one, our mission. What is our mission? You know, um, in the Old Testament, God gave the prophet a message, and he said, write it down so plain that anybody running by could see it and read it and be able to understand it. You know, our attention spans in this day and time are so short. Television has programmed us to five, little five or seven minute snippets in between commercials. Amen. And then we zone out. How many of you are like me? You, you're watching a show, you're intent. Maybe you're staying up uh, past, maybe you go to bed at 10 o'clock and you say, I'm going to watch the weather. And you get to the weather and then they take that commercial break and you get back from the commercial and all of a sudden they're already on the sports. And you're saying, where did the weather go? Because you, you zoned out. You zoned out on that commercial. And folks, I'm telling you, we've got to keep our attention. We've got to keep our eye on the prize. And that prize is the high calling of Jesus Christ. It is the hope of glory in you, and that is Christ Jesus. We are the hope of this world. 
Amen. The light that is within you and within me is what this world needs. They don't even know what they need anymore. They are going so many different directions and we are the light shining out into that darkness and how dare we hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. Not going to let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Amen. Sometimes I think the kids got it better than we do because they can remember simple stuff. So I'm telling you, this is what our mission is. To know him, to love him, and to make him known. Look at your neighbor and say, to know him, to love him, and to make him known. Hello. (laughs) I mean, all we're doing, I'm telling you, I'm writing it down simple enough that we ought to be able to understand it. To know him, to love him, and to make him known. And the more we know him, the more we're going to love him, and the more we become like him, and therefore the more we make him known. Amen. If we go out into this world and we act like us, oh, Lord, I've seen a whole lot of people over the holidays being them. I could tell some stories, but I'm not going to. My wife told me last week it was a little bit long, so I got to stay to my outline. We prayed a lot last week. (laughs) So here's the thing, to know him, to love him, and to make him known. Say it with me one more time. To know him, to love him, and to make him known. That is our mission, and if we will keep that our mission, if we will keep that direction, if we will keep that focus, then it's going to affect every ministry that we do. Because everything we do ought to center around that, to know him, to love him, and to make him known. The more we know him, the more we know his heart. We know what he wants us to do. We know what our calling is. We know what our giftings are. We know who we are in Christ, and we're unashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the only way these people aren't going to go to hell. Amen? I might get fired up in just a minute. Here's the thing. God, I've shared with you the the several years that I've been here. Every end of the year, I just begin to take account. I begin to pray a lot. And God, what is it you want us to do? What is it that we need to look at in this new year? And and folks, I'm going to tell you something. God has, has lit me up. Now, I've been discouraged about some things. 2017, again, bad year for a lot of people. I had to go through a lot of things. Some of us have had surgery. Some of us have had floods and fires. And I mean, my goodness gracious, everything you can imagine. But you know what? We're here. Amen? We're, we're not destroyed. We are, we, are, we are cast down, but we are not forsaken. Amen? We are, we are troubled on every side, but yet we have hope. Amen? And the thing that we've got to do is realize, hey, the enemy's done what he could do. And we're still here, we're still alive, and we're still worshiping, and we're still loving God to know him, to love him, to make him known. Amen? That's going to be 2018. To know him, to love him, and to make him known. Get used to it. You'll probably get tired of it before I stop saying it. That's what God put in my heart. And so here's the thing. How do we express this? We express it by what we consider valuable. Everything that we do is expressed an expression of what we value. 
You look at what people value in this world. What people are doing on Sunday morning instead of being in church. Thank you, Terry. You got two amens. <laughs> Thank you, Angie. You think about what people value. What are they doing Sunday morning instead of worshiping God? All kinds of stuff. You're thinking it. I'm not even going to say it because you're probably thinking stuff that I ain't even, I ain't even thinking. But people are out there waxing their cars. They're out there fishing. They're out there hunting. They're out there, God, I hate to even say this one. <laughs> I don't play on Sunday morning, though. But what we do in our life shows what we value. So what we've got to do is make an expression of everything I just talked about and what we value, that it ought to show by what we do. And, and so here's what I think we ought to look at as far as what we value. Number one, a strong, strong personal relationship with God. I know what God did for me. I know what he saved me from. I know that whenever I ask him to forgive my sins, guess what? It was forgiven. Our relationship with God ought to be something that is paramount. We ought to show such value to that that we are talking about it often and unashamedly. That we are ready to share, hey, this is what God did for me. I, I've, you've heard me harp on this for a long time. But you've got a testimony. And your testimony is not my testimony, and, and, and it's not their testimony, and it's not their testimony, it's yours. And your testimony is going to speak to somebody that's out there, somebody that's in a like situation. Somebody is going through what you're going through right now. Now, see, here's the thing. There are people that go through divorces, and I can, I can minister to them, and I can pray with them, but I've never been through a divorce. So I don't know all the hurt. And I don't know what God did for you to heal that in your heart. But I dealt with some other things. And my testimony is no less than yours, and yours is no less than mine. But all of us combined as the body of Christ, what we've got to do is let our light shine. We've got to talk about what God did for us. We cannot be ashamed or embarrassed or timid. Yes, it's not a popular thing. Yes, it might make somebody uncomfortable, but I'd a whole lot rather be uncomfortable tomorrow in the workplace than to be standing before that judgment seat of Christ very, very uncomfortable. Amen? So we got to value our personal relationship with God. Secondly, we gotta, we got to value the family of God. Sometimes we ignore it. But we've got to, We've got to take pride and, and care and, and, and enjoy fellowship. And here's the thing. Sometimes it's hard to, hard to have a ship when there are no fellas. Be committed to come to church. Be committed to, to whatever, whatever the church is doing. Yeah, you may not. And, and maybe it's for the kids. Hey, they're the next generation. If we don't get the kids in here, we ain't going to have a church. Boy, that was weak. Thank you, Miss Angie. If we don't get the kids and the teens in here, we ain't going to have a church. Amen? 
We are, we are just getting together and having a big ho- hallelujah hoedown is what I've always called it. We come in here and we feel good for a few minutes. We punch our clock with God and we go out. Miss Angie, her family had a little rat terrier dog whenever uh, I met her. We started dating at about 16. And uh, what was it? Cricket. Cricket was his name. And a little white rat dog. And uh, the only thing you had to do to get that dog to go in was say, you want to go hunt? And put your hands out like that. And that little dog, if he's in a living room, that's what she's doing to me this morning. <laughs> You've heard me say a preacher, a preacher will drop, preach at the drop of a hat, and sometimes you've got to drop it yourself. But Miss Angie's throwing her hat in the ring this morning. She's getting me going. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so we've got to enjoy the fellowship. We've got to take care of the fellowship. We've got to do that. We've got to, we got to value the gifts of God's people. Your gift is not my gift. Your gift is not my gift. My gift is not yours. All of us together encompass everything that Jesus has for us. Some of you got the gift of teaching. Some of us have the gift of of preaching or prophesying, as it would be called in the Bible. Some of you have the gift of hospitality. Some of you, and we talked about this before, some of you are Marthas and some of you are Marys. Some of you are really, really spiritual you love to pray, you love to just lay before the Lord, and, and some of you had rather get up and fix something for somebody to eat. Neither one of those is lesser than the other. Martha knew how to wait on people. Mary knew how to wait on God. And together, what we have is a really good fellowship because it takes people cleaning the toilets and vacuuming the floors and fixing meals And it takes people praying and getting a hold of God and hearing from him and and being able to come in here and say, and I don't say this with any kind of pride or issue, God spoke to me about this for 2018. I, I think this is a big year for us. In the fact, if we'll grab a hold of this and we will know him, love him, and make him known, and show our values, it's going to affect not only this body of believers, but it's going to affect the world that we live in. So we got to, we got to realize everybody's got different giftings. When, when maybe somebody doesn't fall right in with whatever you're doing, it doesn't mean they're disinterested totally. It means that that's not their gifting or their calling or their area. That's why sometimes I tap people to teach because I see that gift within them. And so the thing that we've got to do is we've got, we got to look out for each other. We've got to help each other. We've got to loan wisdom when it's necessary and say, hey, I see this in you. Zach Perry is a, is a total example of that. Whenever we needed a new children's minister, I just, the Lord just kept pushing that on me, pushing that on me, that he, he and Aaron needed to be the people. And I'm like, I went over there one Sunday afternoon, and I said, man, does this G and Hall with you? For those of you that don't know what G and Hall means, does that bear witness with you? G and Hall is how you did the mules. Does that does that feel good? Do, do you do you or do you are you picking up what I'm putting down? And 
Yeah, I think so. And man, and he's not in here, so I can brag on him big. He has blossomed. Absolute. His own daddy came during the Adore Christmas program, and he said, man, Zach is in his element. I said, I agree. I asked Zach sometime afterward, is he, he got involved in the children's ministry, and Aaron has blossomed back there. She is absolutely knocking home runs back there. Now, we don't get to see it. The thing that we have to do is hear about it whenever we talk to our little ones. But she does such a great job of connecting with those kids. And then Zach comes out here, and I ask him, I said, would you have ever just, you know, jumped up and said, pick me, pick me, pick me? He said, no why? So what we've got to do is see each other's gifts. Sometimes you can, somebody that's on the outside looking in can see a whole lot more than you looking on from the inside out. Sarah, she's back. I mean, that girl can sing. That's a gift from the, from the Lord. Amen. So we've got to appreciate and value each other's gifts. And and then we've got to appreciate corporate worship. And corporate worship is us coming in here and joining together where two or three are gathered together in his name. He would be where? Far away? A thousand miles to the left? No, in the middle of it. So whenever we get together... There is power in, the, in, in corporate worship and getting together in the word. And we've got to show our value for that. If you want to look at what I call the best worship service there ever is 2 Chronicles chapter 5, 6, and 7. Miss Angie, what time is it? Oh, she says, I'm good. I can go. <laughs> when she turns them airport lights on and starts flagging me in, she, she's got some flashlights down there with orange cones on them. She'll start. Just kidding. It was whenever the temple was done. And Solomon had completed everything that was in David's heart to complete. And they decided it was time to dedicate the temple. And he prayed a very, very simple prayer, and it was basically, God, will you meet us here? And the Spirit of the Lord came into that place. Why? Because they were in one mind, one accord, one thought. And that is, let's worship God. And the presence of the Lord entered into that place. And became so thick and so heavy that even the ministers of music and, and, and Solomon himself could not even stand. They had to lie down before the Lord. And folks, I'm, I'm looking <laughs> forward to that day. Amen. I'm looking forward to when the presence of the Lord meets us here so strongly that we can't dare even, even lift our heads because of the presence of the Lord. So we got to show that and how we value that and how we value what, what's going on here and how we participate in that worship. we got to be a part of what's going on. Somebody say amen. We've got to value the Word of God. In this worship service, 2 Chronicles 5, 6, and 7, in the midst of all that, they brought in the ark. And the ark had gone through some ins and outs and been stolen and taken away. And then as they're bringing it back, somebody touched it and they weren't supposed to touch it because it was holy. And, and big story there. 
But you remember in the beginning, what they put inside the ark, what God instructed them to put inside the ark was a little jar of the manna, Aaron's staff that budded, and what? The stones that Moses carved, because he broke the ones that God carved. And if you read this little portion of Scripture, now you need to get this. It says there was nothing in the ark except the stone tablets. There was nothing inside the ark except the word of God. And I'm going to tell you something. Tough times may come and tough times will go. Thank God it didn't come to stay. It came to pass. My favorite scripture in the whole Bible. Good times will come and good times will go. And there's scratch marks all the way down the backside of that mountain. Some of them are mine. But the word of God will sustain you through anything. As long as we will keep in that word. And that, I, 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 last week I encouraged everybody, get involved in some kind of Bible reading this year. Some of you may be committing to read through it the first time. Maybe this is you like me and you've read through it so many times you can't even count anymore. But I'm going to read through it again this year. Amen? Why? Because it's powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen? It, it knows, the, the, the word is alive, and God knows exactly what we need. And sometimes we'll read that word, and maybe a week or two weeks or a month down the line, and we're like, hey, I remember reading that. I didn't need it that day, but it's in store up here. And, and Jesus said that he gave us the Holy Spirit as our comforter, as our guide through life, and that he would bring to our remembrance whatsoever things Jesus had said. Why? Because he is the word. And the word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. Amen? So we gotta, we got to value the word. we got to value our personal integrity, and that is us walking the walk, not just talking the talk. That whenever... I had a pastor years and years and years ago, and this was back whenever sometimes... You know, uh, in, in our belief system, people get happy and they'll run the pews or run the aisles or whatever. And he said, I don't care how high you jump as long as you walk straight when you land. Because sometimes our witness out in the community doesn't match. Amen or oh me. We need to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Be what we say we are. Act like the, a child of God. Yes, do we sometimes falter on that? Yes, do we have flesh flashes sometimes? Amen. But by and large, we ought to be going out of here and acting like a child of God. Well, y'all got quiet on me, so I'll go to the last point. The souls of the lost. And in uh, Luke chapter... 15, Jesus talks about three lost items, three lost things. And he spends almost a whole chapter talking about the importance of the lost things. And then over in Luke chapter 19, he says, For I came to seek and to save that which was lost. The story that he tells is of a lost sheep and a lost coin 
and a lost son. You've heard me talk about it before, so I'm not going to go into great detail. But that sheep just got out busy doing life. Wandered away from where it was supposed to be. I I don't know about you. I've been around a few sheep in my life. I have never seen a malicious sheep. Never seen one with a switchblade or a gun or driving fast in their car. It was just a sheep. And he just got out there in the pasture and, oh, here's a little better grass here. Oh, here's here's some grass over here. more grass and got way away way way far away from where he was supposed to be and I'm going to tell you something I've lived long enough to know that sometimes you get busy doing life and you get far from God it wasn't malicious it was not the intention it just happened And yet he said, do you realize that that shepherd, when he gets them all home, corrals them up, 97, 98, 99. And he's going to shut that door and he's going to go and find that lost sheep. That shows that there's value in that person who has wandered far from God. The lost coin, if somebody had them in their hand, and sometimes people get lost by somebody else's hand. Somebody abuses them. Somebody doesn't do something that maybe they should have done. Whatever it was, that coin didn't jump off that table and hide itself. It was by the hand of another. Abuse is rampant in this world. Three out of every five girls, by the time they reach age 18, will have been abused, molested, raped in some way. And the sad thing is, it's getting higher for boys than it's ever been. Sometimes it turns people away from the church. Or they don't know that the church cares about it. Lost by somebody else's hand. And then there was the son who said, I am fixing to live it up. Daddy, would you go ahead and die so I can have my inheritance? Well, son, I'm not going to die, but here's your half. And so he went and invested it, got in the stock market, and made lots of money. No. He went and spent it up. Righteous living is what it says. And here he is, starving. Been working, slopping hogs. And, and, and he's got that bucket of slop, and he's just fixing to pour it in the, in the, in the trough there. Sure am hungry. Anybody ever slop any hogs? I guarantee you not even once did I ever think about eating slop. <laughs> but this guy was just fixing. And he said, wait, even my father's servants eat better than this. I'm going to go back home and ask my father if he'd forgive me enough to make me a servant. You know the rest of the story. That dad's been looking every day, waiting for his son to change his mind. That's what repentance is. Changed my mind. So here's the thing that I want us to do. 
If we're showing our values, then today. Jesus didn't spend all that room in the New Testament talking about lost things if it wasn't important to him. And we're going to start this new year off by this one thing, to end this service. You remember years ago, I did this. Jesus said, come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. So what I want you to do is I want you to sit here and I want you to think about a family member or a friend or a co-worker. Somebody that you know doesn't know God or has drifted far away from you. You know what? Jesus came to seek and to save them. You may be around people that have never even given it a thought. But Jesus said, if you'll come follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So what we're going to do, and there's, there's pieces of cardstock up here and pens. And I want you to write down the name of somebody. And I want you to put it in here as a symbol. We're making, we're, we're they're fish. <laughs> we're putting them in the fish bowl. We're going to pray over this regularly. And I have seen this happen more than a few times. God is going to honor that. God's going to, it might be that you get the opportunity to talk to him. It might be that God will send somebody else. Maybe you're not the person that can reach them. But you know what? We got a short time and a whole bunch to do. And we got to, we got to realize our mission to love him, to know him, to love him, and to make him known. To know him to love him, and to make him known. And we're going to pray over those people that do not know God or that are far from him.